This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yeah, of course, the last champions, uh, how strong they are. So, yeah, uh, big, a lot of motions, many things happen in the game. For them, is the penalty first, like uh, it's like a routine against against them. And uh, but react well, and we start really, really well. First 50, 20 minutes, doing what we we want to be. After for the quality of how we struggle, and the second half we, especially when we concede the goal, the way we react, the way we're still playing after the quality for the, especially feel for the actions, make the difference. Hopefully next time, today Manchester City break uh, for many, many years, we're not able to win here. Hopefully next time we can, we can do it with, uh, with Anfield and his people. So, of course, Anfield is so intimidating, but without people it's completely different. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Pep Guardiola speaking after Man City ran riot at the home of the champions. At the weekend, off the ball with me, Ross, on a Monday evening. Uh, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can um, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And do check out our uh, YouTube channel. It's TFIF on video. Guests this evening, then, we've got Craig Marias. Hello, Craig. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, he's, he's still angry. 95th minute equalizer <laughs> and all Very, that. But still wearing it with pride. We welcome back uh, Kishnan, a.k.a. Mark Stats from Astro Supersport. Hello, <laughs> Kish. Hello, hello, Ross. It's been a while. It really has been a while. Well, you're a busy man to track cold off nowadays, aren't you, eh? <laughs> hey, hey. And joining us all the way from Down Under, we know it's past his bedtime, so we really appreciate it. Matt Pelotti, hello! Hello, it's very, very good to be back. It must be even longer for me. I reckon it's been uh, five years since I left Malaysia, so thank you for not forgetting me. I just sort of was reflecting a bit earlier about it's five years, and in those five years, all the stuff that's happened. You know, we've had Trump since, since, since I left Malaysia. Trump's happened, <laughs> Brexit's happened, COVID's happened, and I used to have hair. <laughs> and, like, you know, I mean, and I, I don't want to say that all that happened because I left Malaysia, but you do ask yourself questions. You know what I mean? It's, it's very, very nice to be back and lovely to see you all. And hope you're doing well. And I apologize for, for calling from Australia as well, where things are sort of sort of all right. And I hope that you guys are doing well. And same goes to everyone listening. I know we were just talking off air, uh, Matt saying life's pretty normal in Melbourne and we're all envious. All right. Lots of football to talk about. <laughs> Um, we heard Pep at the start, Liverpool won, Man City four, third successive home loss for Liverpool, Craig Marias. Um, I, I don't know, now talking about retain, talk of retaining the title, maybe maybe they're just looking at top four now. Uh, yeah, you say that, but um, I mean, if you look at the table and yes, you know, it's, it, it's going to be very hard to kind of claw those points back in and obviously, you know, go past City, but... Um, I, I don't even think it's a point situation, to be honest with you. I just think the, the kind of football and the form that Man City are in uh, makes it impossible for any team to stop them, not only Liverpool. Um, you just watch them. And, and last night, um, I, you know, we've seen many teams miss a penalty in, in games like that. And, and they could easily go under and, and you know, just kind of uh, fold. But, but not this City side. You know, um, you know, good the one, especially. I mean, look at that. He, he misses the penalty, pops up in such a big occasion with two goals, 
to to you know kind of say, hey, look, I'm not letting that bother me. I yeah. mean, this is a this is a big title race. Um, City are, are the team to beat. I'm the man at the moment, uh, replacing the void that Kevin De Bruyne has left. Exactly. Um, and, and you talk about people, players stepping up. I mean, that that was a perfect example of it. And um, um, like I said, you know, Liverpool will look at that table and they say, okay, yeah, the, the points with the amount of games left, you know, it's still doable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is. I mean, what is it? There's there's 15 games left, is it? Mm, something like 15, that. 15 yep. games of the yep. season left. Um, it, it's definitely still doable. I mean, you know, teams kind of, if Liverpool go on a massive run, you know, they, they'll be definitely up there. But can you actually see City losing and dropping points? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the City side, sorry, Ross. We're talking about City side without the best player in the Premier League. Yeah. In, in Kevin De Bruyne. And, and, and without a striker. Aguero's and without a striker. Exactly. Yeah, no, no. City, all plaudits to them. But Matt, um, a lot's been made about the, the couple of blunders that Alisson made. Uh, uncharacteristic. Um, but yeah, don't give him the ball to his feet, yeah? <laughs> oh look, he's, he's still a great keeper, and it really does happen to all of them. It's interesting that it's happened to um, to him because he was probably the only keeper that really who'd had a an almost unblemished copybook over the last few years. They've you've seen De Gea, who was up on a pedestal, kind of been come crashing down, and yeah. and Lloris, um, but and he was the one that you were like, well, that he was a key reason that Liverpool had that phenomenal title success last year, and it's natural, of course. Yes, they've suffered injuries, not least to him. Um, so, yeah, look, it's nice because we can always jump on goalkeepers when they make silly errors or something goes wrong. I, I think that um, while it does happen to uh, happen to the best of them, I guess, um, Liverpool were just unfortunate on this occasion. And goodness knows they waited long enough when he was out injured and desperately needed him back. So uh, you don't want to criticise him too harshly because um, he's still better than the alternative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Apologies for the uh, slightly dodgy audio here, here and there. But, Keish, my question to you, right, is how can Pep Guardiola, who can coach a team, who can what, go on a 10 Premier League winning run with uh, no striker, how can his team not score from 12 yards? What's the problem there, man? <laughs> I mean, no, you, 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 you've got to cut them some slack in, in, in that sense as well. This has been a very, it's been a very interesting season for Man City because um, they're sort of doing things that we've never seen them do, which is, you know, try and keep it stable at the back, which has obviously affected somewhat their output in, in the final third in terms of goals and in terms of creating chances. But it's a Man City side that's a lot more stable than the one that we saw last year. Where they, they've always been criticised for, for being a bit too adventurous and sort of killing themselves at the back at times. But you look at the defensive record this year, with, with Ruben Diaz. I know he didn't, didn't exactly cover himself in glory at, at times last night. Looked a bit shaky, but otherwise he's been brilliant this year. I don't uh, know. Hang, uh, hang on. Let, let, let me jump in there. He, he brushed Salah's arm and Salah fell over. <laughs> I, nobody's mentioned that. I, I, it was a really soft penalty. I'm sorry, but, you know, that's what it looked like. No, I mean, to, I, the way I looked at it, I thought it was a penalty. Um, I, you know, you, you, we've seen stuff like that been been given all the time. As long as there's a contact, Salah went down. That, that was a penalty to, to me. But but yeah. as I was saying, I mean, the, the, it's been a really interesting Man City side. Uh, yeah. Very different to, to the one that we've seen in the last couple of years. And and that's why they're, they're sort of reaping the rewards in what has been a crazy, crazy, chaotic Premier League season, Ross. I mean, doesn't it feel like there's a game every single day? Yeah, I know, days? I know. It's, it's all overkill. And, 
it's it's an overkill. It's it's exhausting for us as fans, and I'm wondering how exhausting it is for for the teams and the players out there. And and that's why I feel that in in what's been a such a chaotic Premier League season, Pep has done really really well yeah. to sort of just you know keep things down, be more in control, and that's why they are where they are at the moment. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, let's move on from Liverpool. City are five points clear at the top, Craig, uh, and with a game in hand. Man United, of course. Um, well, you don't go 2-0 up against Everton at halftime and end up drawing the game 3-3, right? Yeah, I mean, there are two parts to this, actually. Um, the, the first part is obviously, you know, what you just said, going 2-1 up at halftime, at home, um, and, and pretty much cruising the match. I mean, the, you know, Everton, uh, I thought, started better than, than United. But once United got into... Uh, got into their game, got into their stride. You know, I thought, you know, they, they took over the game and, and started dominating and, um, and and got the two goals. I mean, it was a fantastic cross from, from Marcus Rashford for, for Cavani and that, that Bruno finish. I mean, you know, you can just watch that over and over again. It has already been likened uh, by, by Man United to um, the chip Antonella, uh, Cantona, yeah. uh, versus Sunderland uh, back in the day. So, uh, you know, at, at 2-0, I mean, you, you can only imagine what that team talks like. You know, uh, from Ole, um, yeah, we're, you know, keep keep playing the way you are, keep playing with the same tempo, intensity, probably increase it if anything, um, because they weren't fantastic, but they they were they did they did enough. Yeah. Um, and then you go through that dodgy spell of, of five minutes or, or whatever it was, and um, you know, first it starts off with with an absolute howler, in my opinion, um, from, from uh, David de Gea. Um, not for the first time, as as Matt said, um, over the past couple Goalies of seasons. Goalies again this weekend. Uh, it is, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there the are a few that we can highlight, to be honest with you. Um, so, so that was the first one, uh, which I thought the keeper really had to do a little bit better there. Um, and, and then, you know, from the second one, can you say it's great Everton play? You can, but then again, you can look at the United defence. Can you defend that better? <clears throat> and um, straight away, out of nothing, Everton are back into the game. Yeah. Now... I always think the hard part for teams is when you when you throw away a lead. <clears throat> but then when you go back, um, you throw go back in front. And you again. go back in front. You know, <laughs> that, that that's the hard part done. You know, because you, you've kind of, okay, you know, you've got, got used to the fact that you, you've kind of squandered it. But, you know, you've got enough in yourself and in the team. To, Let's to cut to the chase here, Craig. Let's cut to the chase here. Harry Maguire, uh, obviously, yeah. you, you can see how he stood a different line to the rest of the defence. Yeah. Is, yeah. he for, is he a weak link in the United defence? Um, I wouldn't say he's, he's, he's the weak link. I think uh, Victor Lindelof, if, if, if anything, it's the, it's the partner beside him, uh, which is the weak link. Um, I, I mean, yes, obviously, in that, in that instance, um, I, I do think he's at fault for, obviously, you know, it, it's, it's a simple rule. You know, you've got to be in line with your defenders and he's the only one that's not. He's dropped a little bit earlier uh, and playing everyone on site. Uh, but then again, I will look at the goalkeeper in this instance again yeah. um, and say, can, can David De Gea come out sprawling? I mean, just think about Peter Schmeichel back in the day, you know, just kind of just jumping off his line and throwing that imposing figure. Actually, we saw it again yesterday with Casper uh, Schmeichel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you go back to that Wolves yes, game, yes, yes. Fabio Silva literally had a tap in and it was, it was almost a similar instance. Yeah. Schmeichel does is he comes off his line and, and makes himself massive and he gets something on it. I mean, it was a sure goal. And it was exactly the same kind of instance. And, and David Haya, um, I, I just think he bottled it. He, he absolutely bottled it. And okay. And he threw himself into it. All right. Um, Matt Bellotti, 
You, you're all right. Can you hear us all right down there? I can hear you now, yes. It, it's nice. <laughs> a few, a few well, internet connection problems down under here. I know. We, we're, recording <laughs> this on, we're recording this on Zoom, and Matt has literally taken us on a tour around his house. It's really nice. He's <laughs> really and, big. I'll yeah. tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt, um, Everton this season, I mean, let's give them credit. They, they came back from, from two down at halftime, you know, 3-3. Three, three. Everton of old wouldn't have done it. This Everton under Ancelotti, there's something else about them, right? Yeah, look, I, I think there's a good message in there for most football clubs. Um, hire a good manager. Um, <laughs> really, you, you could um, you could dress it up how you like, but Ancelotti clearly knows what he's, he's doing. He's been around the block and um, I, I think it is a massive credit to him. And look, Everton, you, I, mean, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. One is that, and I think it's right to give them credit, especially on a game like this, you, you go to a... Um, a, a game like against United and you, you can come back from two goals down and then score a late equaliser yeah. and that's incredibly impressive. The other way of looking at it is that this is a garbage season full of rubbish football being played week in, week out <laughs> by pretty much all football clubs. Everton have got as good a chance as anybody and yet they're not in the top six. Um, so you could absolutely look at that and be critical. Um, and I think that the reality is probably somewhere in the middle for a side like Everton, whereas maybe it isn't for a Chelsea or, or, or Tottenham and Arsenal yeah. or someone like yeah. that. But nonetheless, I think it's possible to say, look, well done, Ancelotti. But at the same time, just say, you know what? You've signed some good players here. You know, Calvert-Lewin's in fantastic form. Um, you've got James Rodriguez is a very smart signing. You've got some solidity at the back at last, maybe, possibly. Um, and still, maybe, maybe there's still a bit left in the tank there for Everton. What they should be doing, regardless of how you judge them to date, is looking at these remaining 15 games of the season and saying, we are banging the hunt for the top four. Yeah. Um, and if they don't get any European football, it would be a failure. And then you would have to maybe say, well, is Ancelotti all that great after, after all? But maybe maybe they're just at the beginning of a journey where other teams feel like they're more halfway. But but you'd say that Matt, quietly. Matt, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna add to that, Matt. Um, you know, Everton have only played 21 games. You know, that's a game or two True, less yeah. than the teams above them. And and I think if they win their two games in hand, they go above Liverpool. Yep, yep. Okay. So All right. I mean, I mean that, that's they're, they're still, yeah, they still have to win those, but that's a that's a really fair yeah. point. Is that they do go up into the top four, and and you probably would say on the str- on the evidence of the season so far, they probably are a side about the top four. Yeah. 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 Fair comment. All right. Uh, let's quickly cover Aston Villa one, Arsenal nil as we go to the break. Uh, Watkins four in his last five now. Keish at ten in the Premier League. Ollie Watkins is doing the business for Villa. He is, and he's been. I mean, to be fair, he's been doing it for a while for 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 Brentford prior to this in the Championship, and I, and I remember. But, a I mean, of it's years a step ago, up, right? Everybody goes. No, it is. Like, it is. Yeah. It is, yeah. but but a couple of years ago, Ross, you 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 had um, the, the, there's a couple of people that I follow on Twitter who are you know uh, data analysts who work for companies like Opta and and Statsbomb, and a couple of years ago they were already saying that Ollie Watkins has what it takes. Uh, to step things up in, into the Premier League. And if you look you, you look at Brentford's front three last year, there's Ollie Watkins, it's Brian Embuemo, it's it's uh, Said Benrama. Cup, two of them are already in the Premier League this year and they're doing well. I mean, Benrama is obviously hasn't scored as much as Watkins has, but they're doing well. And, and Watkins is just reaping the rewards of just having the right kind of support system around him. He, the, the Villa fans don't look at him as, as the guy that that needs to carry the team on their shoulders because they've got Jack Grealish to do that. And yeah. he thrives with the responsibility of just being the guy who, who runs things in midfield. And so that frees up space for people like Bertrand Traore, for even people like Ollie Watkins to sort of just focus on scoring goals. Up. Let's not forget, Watkins has had a rough patch. 
this season as well. And there have been times where he struggled to score goals, uh, but but you know Dean Smith just kept kept with him, kept kept his faith with him, and 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 they're reaping the rewards of it. Is last year Villa no Villa player scored more than ten goals in the Premier League. This season he's already got ten. Watkins. Yeah. Okay, I tell you what, we're, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about Arsenal. Stay tuned. Back right after this. They are off and running in 2021. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fair fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Craig, Keish and Matt down in Melbourne joining us. Craig Marias. We were talking before the break about how Aston Villa beat Arsenal 1-0 over the weekend. Um, they've not been the same. They, they, they had a bad patch. Then they went back to being really tight winning. And then suddenly it's all gone wrong again. Yeah. And, and the worrying part for Arteta is that the mistakes are creeping back in. Um, you, you go back to uh, the game, the, the last game against Wolves. You know, David Luiz... Um, it's a penalty. Is it a red card? That's up for debate. Um, you know, I, I still think it's a bit harsh. Uh, but but the mistakes are, are slowly creeping back in, and that's worrying because, um, like you said, they, they 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 had that bad patch where you know everything was going against them. Yeah. Uh, then you know they they <clears throat> I think it was uh, was it the United match when they turned around again. Yeah. Um, and, and you know they started. Uh, they they went on a really good run, um, and then. You know, now you, you're slowly seeing that Arsenal, just when you thought things were really good, you've got Saka playing out of his skin. Even Pepe's playing well, you know, and, and you know, Lacazette's chipping in with a few goals. Um, you think, OK, you know, now we've got some players back. We've, we've signed Odegaard to strengthen the team. We've got rid of Odegaard. He actually looks so apparently good, was the bad he? egg. Yeah. Odegaard looks fantastic. Uh, yeah. I think the only reason why he hasn't started is uh, because of his lack of game time at Real Madrid. So it's going to take him a while to, to kind of get up to fitness. But... Um, you know, I think Arteta, is he worried? I think he's already written off the season, if I'm being perfectly honest. I don't think Arsenal have much to fight for. Um, you know, we spoke about Everton and how they're challenging for those European spots. You know, we're ignoring the teams like West Ham. Uh, you know, Chelsea is still there, yeah. Spurs. Yeah. Um, so, so that's pretty much all your European spots taken. Now, look, there's still a lot of football to be played, I know. Um, but, you know, you look at that Arsenal team, can you rely on them to, to, to rack up the points and go in a run? No, you can't. Um, <laughs> that defence for me is still a massive worry. Um, and uh, frankly, uh, Arteta's, uh, yeah, I'd say given up. You know, I, I think his job is relatively safe. I don't think the board can afford to sack him. Um, so, so if if I was him, I, I'm looking forward to, to to next season already. I'm planning for next season. Finishing up in, in the top half should be the Arsenal aim right now, um, and you know just hope for the best. If they get lucky and, and get sneak into Europe, fair enough. Um, but but that's about it, really. They, they they've got to start feeding the players more Indomie, I reckon. <laughs> Thomas Party and his Indomie thing. Well, Willock did all right. He scored. So, so I'm just I, I I'm just going on uh, that Indomie. He seems to get injured every time Thomas party. So I don't know if that's Indomie related. <laughs> every game he comes off with an injury, he limps off. It, it's ridiculous. Well, it only takes three minutes to cook, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on and talk about Tottenham. I'm looking at Matt Bellotti here. Um, Harry Kane return. All is well again. I, I don't want to say huh. one man team and all that. I don't want to, but <laughs> no, 
No, I don't even. I don't even really think we're a one-man team. Um, look, I don't think it's it's notable, isn't it, that you've not invited me on the show for all the years we were making the Champions League final. As soon as we lose three in a row, you, you say, oh, "Oh, Matt, can you come back on the show, mate?" Uh, that's fine. I understand. Um, <laughs> look, I think you you know what you you could absolutely um, break it down and say, "Oh, look, Kane and Son have scored, and so that's that's all that Spurs are." Um, it is not an exaggeration to say that we're not even that. Um, watching Spurs over the last few weeks has been an extremely miserable experience um, and Kane had a lot of chances against West Brom, well, a, a few chances against West Brom. Um, the more interesting and pleasing thing was that the team had a few chances. We've just played um, Chelsea in a big London derby and allowed them to never get out. They never needed to get out of second gear. They won extremely comfortably and should have been three or, so, or four or something. Liverpool, I, as we've seen, are not very good. They never yeah. needed to get out of second gear. Sorry, Matt, sorry Matt, 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 I have a part two question for you while, while, before you All go right. on. Um, yes. Are you happy with the current management at Tottenham and the style of play? Oh, look, <laughs> you know what? You, you kind of you, you pinch your nose and go with it a little bit. And the, the reason being is that there is one issue with Tottenham Hotspur and it's that we haven't won anything. There's only one issue. Like we had a great manager in Pochettino. We played fantastic football. We got to a Champions League final. We finished routinely in the top four. Tottenham, certainly for a bloke who's 40 years old as I am and grown up following Tottenham Hotspur, that is a great result. We, we have no right as a football club to consistently be in the Champions League and all the rest of it. However, there was one missing piece and it's one that didn't really matter a few years ago, but it does now. And that's a piece of silverware. So what Daniel Levy's done is he's made Jose Mourinho the most expensively paid manager in world football. When can Tottenham Hotspur do that? They're never going to make a player the most expensive in the world, but you can with a coach. We've done that with one single goal and that is to win a piece of silverware. Um, that's the aim and that's why he's brought in and guess what, we're in a cup final and guess what, we're still in Europe and guess what, we're still in the FA Cup. You have to admire that and then you look at the league and go, hey, look, we were in a sniff of that a month ago and in December we were top of the league. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. let's be real, let's be real. Tottenham of the last three to four games have been diabolical. We haven't created anything. There have not been shots on goal. You've got players that even without Harry Kane, I'm sorry, we've got a good forward line. You can play, you shouldn't be playing a team like Brighton and Oval being at home with the greatest respect to Brighton, who, of course, soft spot in my heart. <laughs> should not be playing four defenders and three defensive midfielders. In and rumours are to be believed Jose doesn't do attacking training. And this is the case at Chelsea and at United as well. He doesn't sit down with, because he goes, well, you guys are just going to score the goals. You're better than me. You train yourselves. I'm not sure that, I mean, yes, it can work when you've got somebody as, as, generationally outstanding as Harry Kane but reality mate you've just you've got to do you've got to work harder and as a result Tottenham classic thing you hear this from all teams that Mourinho coaches they're not very nice to watch they're not very creative we don't want the ball and it's the opposite of how Tottenham play so like I say you pinch your nose and you wait till we've got that piece of silverware and then you reassess so I'm going to say to you at the moment I'm not answering your question of whether I'm happy. <laughs> Ask me again when we've got that shiny cup. And if we haven't, if he can't win one with us, we're never going to win anything. So, sorry, mate. Are you, when you talk about silverware, is it just any type of silverware? League Cup's good. That's it. I, I, I think our biggest triumph in recent years has been the Peace Cup. Um, so, yeah, look, I think if you, if you were to offer me, if you were to offer me that this season, I'd probably grab it. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I, absolutely. If you ask, and this is and this is why it's interesting because it's such a different filter for Spurs. We shouldn't be the sort of club that have sat for twelve years and not been able to pick up any trophy whatsoever. And yes, sure, the Carabao Cup. Why not? Yeah. But we're not too. We're not above. No, no, and you know what? I also have an issue with any football fan that thinks they are above winning silverware. 
Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be looking yeah. down your nose at, at any win, whoever you are. And if you're Manchester City and you spent £1.2 billion on a team, yes, of course, your filter is going to be different to um, yeah. like Cardiff City getting to a cup final. But nonetheless, everyone, we should, we're there to win trophies. And the, the classic thing is, OK, is yeah, of course, yes, we'd rather win the Premier League. Of course you would. The FA Cup's a really nice cup, but yeah, it's that. Yeah. Okay, okay. We, we, we don't want to ignore West Brom, but they're down. So we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and come to you, Keish. Talk about Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. Um, still unbeaten, although they, they did concede a goal, albeit an own goal. Um, unbeaten start continues. Uh, the, the Tuchel project looking, what, they're up to fifth now? Um, it's all going well. Timo Werner, despite not scoring, actually played really well. Had a hand in both goals as well. Yeah, pick, picked up, picked up that, that, the couple of assists. Um, and, and for me, the most important thing under Tuchel is that there are signs of a very simple thing that he's trying to do, Ross, which is just find a system that brings out the best in as much players as he can. And and that's the reality of his job, really, because on paper, Chelsea have got and and they've assembled an expensively talented squad. They've got some world class, incredible names in there that would walk into any team in Europe at the moment. And the issue has always been, how do you get the best out of all of them? Not individually just, but as a system. And that's what Tuchel has been trying to do in the last four games. You see him putting players in positions to try and bring the best out of them. We saw Hudson-Odoi as a right wing back yeah. uh, in, 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 in the second game. We saw Hudson-Odoi partnering Timo Werner as a striker the other day. And we saw him in a slightly different role as well. Um, Jorginho, to me, I think has been absolutely brilliant under Thomas Tuchel. And it's a reflection of, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of preference that he has for deep-lying midfielders. Julian Weigel at, at Borussia Dortmund, um, you know, Marco Verratti at PSG. And, and, and he's trying to do the same with Jorginho as well. So that's the most encouraging part for me. Yes, they've got four wins on the bounce, still unbeaten. But if, if I'm a Chelsea fan, the one that encourages me to most, the most is the fact that you can see an effort is being made into creating and finding the, you know, the right kinds of system to bring out the best in this sort of place. And that was reflected again last night when they went a goal down and they still rallied back to win, to, to win the game 2-1. And, and you, you look at the table now, there's not too many points separating them in the top four. And, and all of a sudden, Chelsea are right in the mix. Yeah. Frank, who is what they're saying now <laughs> in southwest London? Well, all right. One thing I'll add to that, Ross, sorry, yeah. just, just very quickly, is um, although Tuchel's getting the results and you know they're, they're grinding it out, um, the football isn't very pretty. And, and you compare that to Lampard. I mean, Kish talks about the quality that they have in terms of personnel, in terms of players. Um, I, I think that the football is really hard to watch. I've, I've watched all of Thomas Tuchel's games and it's hard to watch. Um, you know, they, they don't make it easy. It's, it's not free-flowing. Um, it's rigid. Yes, Timo Werner got, you know, won the penalty, got an assist yesterday. I think there's still a lot more, uh, you know, he has to prove. Um, yeah, but so for me, I mean, it, it's a results business um, he's getting results but football wise I think there's a lot that needs to be done there okay. the, the, the most basic thing, thing, right? the most the most basic thing right the most very basic thing Timo Werner um, in, in Tuchel's second game he had 11 touches inside the box he's never done that under, under Lampard yeah he's yeah. never done that in, in the whole season under Lampard he's not touched the ball 11 times inside the box he's already had recorded the most amount of touches inside the box under, under Thomas Tuchel. And that's that's the kind of player that you want to be more involved in, 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 in the penalty box like he was at Red Bull Lively. So you can, all, all I'm saying is you can see effort being made into finding the right positions for, for some of these 
some of these players uh, on the pitch. And that's the most encouraging part. Okay. Yeah, Mr. I feel like as well with Tuchel as well that he's just just very quickly that he is doing what is right on percentages. So the the idea is he's reducing risk, so it is slightly dull to see, but yeah. increasing the percentage of getting the key players like Werner in the right area and getting the ball to them as many times yeah. as possible. And by increasing those percentages, the results are going to go as well because he's still discovering. This is his first couple of weeks in the new country in a new league, and no one is more aware of that than him. So he's done the smart thing of reducing risk, playing the percentages, and I reckon the team that we see Tuchel send out there in two months' time will be totally different to the one that we're seeing yep. currently. Good point. Good point. All right, another break. Stick with us. We'll be back right after this. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty, and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us, Craig Marias, Kishnan and Matt Pilotti uh, joining me this Monday evening to look back at the weekend's football. As usual, you can tweet us. You can find us all individually on Twitter. You can also tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media, BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And check out our YouTube channel. It's TFIF on video. Um, some of the other scores over the weekend then, gents. Uh, Wolves nil, Leicester nil, Leicester's quest for, well, the title took a bit of a blow. It was a Midlands derby, Keish. So, um, yeah, where do you want to start, Wolves or Leicester? Both have got things to talk about. <laughs> I mean, with, with Wolves, it's the same thing, isn't it? Um, we're, we're, we're all season long, uh, it, it's always been the, the absence of a focal point up front. Um, they, they've struggled to somewhat replace Diego Jota, though, you know, the, 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 the rise of players like Daniel Podens, Pedro Neto has looked great, Ruben Neves has been brilliant, but it's, it, you talk about teams that are unwatchable at times in the Premier League, and, and I feel that in the last couple of months, um, Wolves has been one of those sides. It, it's been really difficult to watch them because they've been super negative, and I don't blame Nuno for trying to be extra conservative as well because they don't necessarily have the firepower to, you know, to be aggressive in, in, in the final third if they were to go a goal or, or two down. But, but a reflection of that is you, you're getting more games like this. Um, that, that first half performance against Arsenal, I mean, I know they came back to win the game in the second half, but that first half was equally dreadful. And, and, and this one, they just got stuck in. To, to Nuno, it's, it's, it's a great point because they, you know, they, they held Leicester to a nil-nil draw. But again, it's a, it was another one of those uh, unwatchable um, games of football, uh, yeah. but, but but for Leicester as well. I mean, Ross, they, it's you you get a feeling that this is this is the, the thing that frustrates people with with Brendan Rodgers because it, it was the same last year as well. They, they're right in the mix. They're pushing the big boys, and and suddenly things start to falter, and then all of a sudden they find themselves slipping out of the top four. You've got teams like Chelsea, you've got teams like Spurs consistently knocking on the door now, and they've got to be really careful because. They're in the mix at the moment, but but they don't want a repeat of last season because then it, it's back to square one. You can sign everyone you want in the summer. You can strengthen the squad however you want in the summer, but you've got to have that mental fortitude to stay in the top four when it matters the most. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wonder how much of that plays on, on a professional player's mind. Sticking on that match and focusing on a player in particular, Adama Traore, when he bursts onto the scene... We, we often said, well, unplayable. Even, even in that game, there, there, were, there were times when he took on players and you just went, look at the skill he has. 
but he's never transferred it into assists, into goals. So my question here is, does Adama Traore need to move to a bigger club to kick on? Oh, I don't. I don't know about that. Um, I think you need. I think you need to really deserve that move. Um, and I felt that maybe he had deserved it end of last season. I feel like he um, was playing at a level that would have merited that. Um, but this season, you wouldn't say that he's done enough to earn that move. Um, I think that he's probably, as you say, shown glimpses. But one of the reasons that Wolves are where they are is that he hasn't delivered um, quite enough, and that yeah. probably goes to a few players in their team and maybe even their coach. Um, but yes, a fine, fine player as he's shown, but he's, he's got to string a second season, a third season together before he's thinking about a bigger club. Liverpool were looking at, at Traore. Klopp, Klopp was making eyes at him, Craig. I mean, had that move gone ahead, do you think he would have kicked on? Do you think we'll be going, wow, Traore this season, blah, blah, blah? I still think uh, that he's a work in progress. Um, you know, he's got the talent, he's got the attributes, you know, the pace, the power. Uh, I wouldn't say the skill necessarily, but, um, you know, his his end product has improved over the years. I mean, we, we talk about a kid that moved over to England. Uh, I think it was with Villa initially. Um, and, you know, th- there was a lot of hype about him, you know, this this young kid, you know, with with just speed, raw speed coming through the Barcelona Academy and ripping it up there. Um, and, and he never settled down at Villa, you know, kind of made a name for himself at, at Middlesbrough. Um, and then obviously got this move to, to Wolves. And uh, you look at it and, you know, you, when, when he first came to Wolves, he was still that player, you know, raw, uh, unproven, still lacking in quality. He has improved on that. But is he, you know, a top six kind of talent? No. I mean, he's someone that if, if he if he moved to Liverpool, he'd be coming off the bench, um, you know, the last 15 minutes to, to try and, you know, something different. Um, he, he's more of a game changer if he moves up there. Is he better uh, than Nani, for example? <laughs> I actually don't think he is. Whoa, I, I actually don't think he is. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where that's come from. But if, if you look at it, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Nani was still good enough to start games. Yeah. You know, he had an end product about him. He, he was frustrating at times, yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he, he was good enough. You know, he was a smarter player than I think Triori is, you know. Um, so, so I think, but let, let, let's bear in mind, you know, he's still fairly young. You know, I don't even think he's 25 yet, is he? No. What is he, 20, no. 20, 23, I think. Yeah. So, so he's still got a lot of time to come. Yeah. I, that move will happen. Uh, I, I do think it will happen because... If he's willing to learn, take take on board, uh, you know, whatever he learns from from his managers, from his coaches, he will develop into a talent. But he's just going to keep working on that that end product for me. Just a quick one, Ross. We've got to remember that so many managers have come out and said that the thing about Adama Traore is that he's a very niche-specific player. That it's, it's, it's not easy to sort of just put him in any system and bring out the best in him. La Masia coaches struggle with him at, at Barcelona. They said that he looked like a quarterback more like, uh, as opposed to a, uh, a footballer. And, and the one coach that has sort of been able to find that role for him has been Nuno. He has struggled in recent times. But the one guy in the last five years that has been able to find the right system is him. Now, I personally think a system that would work tremendously and he would thrive in is, is Marcelo Bielsa at least. Because I think Adama, uh, you know, he, he's the kind of player that wants to be on the front foot all the time. I know having space, launching counter-attacks works for him. But sometimes with Wolves, you get the feeling that he's being restricted because yeah. they try to play... Yeah, that's why I asked that question. Yeah, He absolutely. wants to be on the front foot all the time. And, mm. and, and, I, and I can see him going to a team like Leeds and just completely enjoying. And Bielsa would absolutely 
put in the effort to understand the kind of player that he is and find the right system for him as well. And do you reckon Spain have a rugby team? Because that's another possible option for him. <laughs> <laughs> he would be rapid down the flanks. All right, let, let's wrap up some of the other games. Um, do you want to talk about that red card that Thomas Suchek got at West Ham? <laughs> Oh, oh my God! God. <laughs> Wait, how, how much time do we have left? <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you feel for Moyes. He was seething after it, saying the referees and an embarrassment. And you look at that, and I don't know. Suchek was feeling his own head. Mitrovic kind of went into his elbow, and then it, it was looked at for a long time as well. Matt VAR. I mean, oh, it's it's old mate Mike Dean, isn't it? And I think the the thing that you look at is we we all see it on the telly. But ask the managers. If you ask the managers about Mike Dean, it's very rare you get anything other than a four-letter word in reply. <laughs> and he is not he is not well-liked. And there's a good reason for that, because he does stuff like this. He was holding the game up for hours, going, up, oh, I'm going to go and watch the telly, I'm going to keep watching it. What's there to watch, mate? We've all seen it. It's a dreadful decision. You, the whole point of VAR, and I will hold my hands up as somebody that wanted technology in the game, and it's absolutely broken it this yeah. season. It's bad enough we're watching football without fans in the ground because that's totally changed the game. But VAR has just taken it to a whole new level and, and it allows somebody like Mike Dean, who will never pass up an opportunity to grandstand and um, to grandstand <laughs> as he did in that game and absolutely ruin it. And you understand, you know, a team like West Ham that probably aren't going to quite punch into the top four, they're going to need every bit of help that they can. They, don't, don't, they don't need the opposite of help, which is, which is the definition of Mike Dean. He, <laughs> he hinders every single game that he's involved in. He's a, Absolute pest. All right, let's wrap up the football by talking about Newcastle 3, Southampton 2, the Saints off the back of a 9-0 Craig. Still can't win, but signs of promise. Minamino looks like uh, it could be a good loan signing. Well, were there signs of promise, though? I mean, you look at that game. I mean, it's against Newcastle is the first thing. Um, Newcastle then went down to 10 men. I think the score was 3-1 at that stage. Yeah. Um, they went down to 10 men. And then they even went down to nine men. <laughs> and that I think they had about 10 to 15 minutes. I mean, you know, something like that to really uh, you know, go out there and get a goal. And you just think back a few days earlier when United had the same kind of, uh, you know, time frame uh, roughly uh, when, when Southampton went down to nine men. Um, you know, they, they managed to score four or five past them, you know, and uh, and then you look at Southampton and and it was just terrible. It, it really was. It was it was terrible to watch. You just it was just crying out for, for a bit of quality. And uh, yes, I think, you know, the weather didn't help that game. Uh, you know, the, the pitch was a state. Yeah, uh, the ball was flying everywhere. But, um, you know, Newcastle defended for their lives. Uh, there's no two ways about that. I thought Carl Dullo was fantastic in goal. Uh, Isaac Hayden, I mean, what a performance he put in, you know, a couple of goal line clearances as well. I mean, I, I love, you know, it was, it was a typical Geordie performance. Um, you know, they, they grafted, they, they, they got their heads down, they, they sucked it up, they worked hard for each other. Uh, I think Steve Bruce will be really proud of his players there. But if I was uh, Rob Hassan Hotel, um, I'd feel really aggrieved because um, it wasn't a performance, you know, that, that I'd be proud of, especially when, you know, 10 men and then nine men, you know, you thought, okay, we've really got a chance here. Yes, they were lucky at times, things hit the post. Um, you know, Carl Darlow made a couple of really good saves, but um, they, they'll go back kicking themselves, I think. Yeah, I sort of feel like it was an interesting one to look at through that filter of the two coaches. 
um, that you've got Steve Bruce there who would have earmarked this at the start of the year even, not, never mind this week. He'd have yeah. looked at it and said, Southampton at home, if we're going to stay up this season, if we're going to do something, that's the three points that we can get. And we're going to play football this type of way to get those three points. Steve Bruce, one of the oldest and most experienced blokes in the Premier League, knows that's exactly right. Now let's have a look at Ralph Hausenhut, a guy who five games ago we were saying is absolutely up there with the best coaches in the league. But he's now lost five on the bounce. And, and people that did this many right? minutes ago on the show would have told you that um, I always bang on about if you lose six games in a row in the Premier League, you're sacked. It doesn't matter who you are. You yeah. just about get away with it if you're Jurgen Klopp, but basically not six and you're gone because you plummet. And look at where Southampton were. And they've gone, they're below Leeds. You know, this is a team absolutely in free fall. And as you, as you say, Craig, they didn't bring anything like their quality. They were completely humiliated last week. They needed a response and they got a very poor response, really. So, yeah, I would be distinctly worried. And I reckon he's got one game, Hassan Hubble, um, which is amazing when you think how recently he was uh, one of the top dogs in the league. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I tell you what, uh, that game is coming up in the FA Cup for them. We'll talk about that right after the break. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. For their season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Welcome back, welcome back. Final segment, looking forward to the football um, this week with Craig, with Matt and with Keish. One more Premier League game to go. Leeds versus Crystal Palace. Um, Palace are looking to do the double over Bielsa's Leeds quiche. I, I know you, you love the man with the bucket and all that, but um, Hodgson, you know, I, I mean, I'm going, okay, going into this one, they're without Zaha, so that's massive. But they've got Eze in there, who I really like watching. He's good, good player, isn't he? Yeah, I think what, I, I reckon what's, what's helped Crystal Palace a lot this year is because because I've watched them a lot um, and, and, and I get this sense that obviously with, with Crystal Palace, the system is simple. Just keep it tight at the back, defend, and then, you know, it's up to the guys with, with, with the flair to do the job up front and, and Eze has single-handedly helped them in, in, in games and, and I reckon that they'd be struggling tremendously had they not signed someone like Abrici. He's, he's really good to watch. I mean, he's going to be knock, knocking on Garrett Southgate's uh, door pretty soon. He's a really, really good player. Um, the, the, with, with Leeds, the, the thing is, you, you can see them completely trouncing Crystal Palace here, but at the same time, you can see them just completely losing. You know, I don't know, three two, three one. It, it's <laughs> very possible to happen because of that high aggression, high pressing style of football that they play that opens up space for for teams to just, especially a team like Crystal Palace with the individual brilliance like you know Eberichi Eze. Streetwise team. Come gap at the back and and boom, you, you're in. Yeah. The, 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 there is a really fascinating thing with, with Bielsa this season in the Premier League because last year in the Championship and, and prior to this in his managerial career as well, he's always used a pretty decently sized squad. You know, 27, 28, 29 players in a season. But this season, strangely, Ross, he's only used 21, which uh-huh. is one of the lowest in the Premier League. And and that's that's even in one of the most you know high, you know intense Premier League seasons yeah. as well with back-to-back games, and, and, and you wonder if that's going to have an impact. And the other thing is, you, you look at his record with, with teams like Marseille, with teams like Bilbao, even with Leeds, um, because of how intense they tend to play, there's always that opportunity and tendency to sometimes falter in the second half of the season where injuries start to pile up, 
they, they're already losing Ian Poveda. They, they've lost Rodrigo Moreno as well for a few weeks now to injury. Um, and things like this have affected their performances in, 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 the, in the last stretch of seasons. With Not just Leeds, but with Marseille, we saw the same. With, with Bilbao, we saw the same as well. So if you're a Leeds fan, that's the part that, that you're going to be extra paranoid about. Yeah, we've done well, but now we're hitting the part of the season where injuries are going to pile up and players are going to start to feel exhausted. Can yeah. we still keep that going? Especially when you're only using 21 players in such, in, in, in such a crazy... Uh, of, a, of a Premier League season. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's set you up nicely for a 4 a.m. kickoff on Tuesday that one leads Crystal Palace. FA Cup fifth round. I hate it when it's midweek. I hate it when it's all like three and four in the morning. It's a bit better for Matt. At least he gets to eat breakfast watching it. Uh, Burn. <laughs> quick word about Burnley, Bournemouth. Uh, steady Eddie Howe is no more in charge at Bournemouth. In fact, Jason Tindall, who replaced him, has also gone. I understand Jonathan Woodgate is the new man yeah. at Bournemouth at the moment. They, they, they've come off a, a really bad run in the league. They're currently sixth, though, in the playoff spots in the championship. It should be an easy win for Sean Dyche's Burnley here, Matt. Well, I don't know about that, especially when a team has just changed coach. I always feel like, uh, you know, and they've got nothing to lose um, it'll be reasonably easy to motivate them, and there's no there's no risk. There's certainly no no pressure on them going up there. Um, so no, I think I think Bournemouth might just fancy that. And um, look, John Woodgate is a player very close to my heart, so I wish him all the best there. Um, it, probably though, looking at it on paper, it's unlikely to be one that we uh, remember for very long. I suspect about five <laughs> minutes after the game's finished, we'll probably have forgotten everything that's happened in there. It's not going to make many highlights packages of the best of this season. I would have but but we will see Jack Wilshire put in a solid fifteen minutes before yeah. going off. Uh, he's well, I, was, uh, I was just going to say he's played really well. Since yeah, yes. Uh, well, of course he has. It's a mid-table championship team. That's his level. <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I still rate him. I, I still think he's got a lot to give if he stays injury-free. Um, I think it was really good signing by Bournemouth. Um, John Woodgate hasn't been confirmed as the manager. I, I believe they're still sniffing around for for, for a permanent manager. Uh, but they did get a win on the weekend. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and uh, uh, an important win for them. Uh, they, they were. It was them and Norwich. You know, uh, yeah. for the top spot in the championship before this this horrid run of form, which saw uh, obviously Jason Tindall lose his job. Um, I, I I actually believe there's uh, th- there'll be an upset here. I, I actually fancy Bournemouth for this. Um, I, I mean, I'm I not mean... so sure if Sean Dyche goes all in on this. Um, in terms of his first team squad, because I think they've got two games, uh, they've got a double game week coming up. Yeah. Um, you know, w- once the weekend kicks in, so I think you know you see a lot of rotation from Sean Dyche. I think Bournemouth might go in for this and, and fancy themselves. Um, just funny enough, while we're talking about you know the permanent manager for Bournemouth, Frank Lampard maybe with the family hey. connection going on there. Hey. You know, there's a good chance for them to come back into the Premier League. There, okay. There's some decent players there. Um, oh. I fancy that appointment. Really All good. right. Okay, let's, let's quick, quickly move on. Uh, Man United, West Ham is also a fifth-round tie. Um, thankfully, Quiche, Messi Lingard can't play against his parent club. <laughs> so that United defence can, you know, at least just concede the two. Rest easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but jokes aside, Ross, I'm, I'm really, really pleased um, to, to see Lingard doing well, um, yeah. the, you know the, the celebration and the smile on his face. because yeah. you know he, he's been the butt butt of social media jokes. Uh, when the reality is that he's gone through so much in the last year. Obviously, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, he's got you know issues with his family. He's been battling a lot of stuff uh, personally as well. So to just see him 
put that all aside and just you know get football back to the forefront and start enjoying himself out on the pitch again and and, and just score goals and 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 have a manager that will completely trust him. Um, personally, I'm just pleased to see that happen. But but again, this one, this has the potential to be a complete banana skin for Man United as well. Uh, you know, West Ham. Have, I, the other person that I'm glad for, Ross, and and you know, United fans are going to be, are going to really hate me for this, but I, I've always been defending David Moyes to some extent Absolutely. ever since he got sacked of Man United. Um, and, and I'm I'm not saying that sacking him was the was the wrong decision. I'm not saying that David Moyes is a world class football manager, but he's a lot better than what people make him out to be. People forget the kind of stuff he did yeah. with Everton yeah. and, and the you know limited resources. Everyone brushes him off. They turn him into a, a complete meme at times, which is so. <laughs> um, and I'm so glad to just see him, you know, doing bits with with this West Ham team and just getting players to perform at their at, at their peak. You know, a, a team that even someone like Manuel Pellegrini struggled. So that's another one that I'm really happy with, and I'm pretty confident of seeing uh, West Ham pose a really, really, really strong challenge to to, to Man United on, on Wednesday early. I, I, I'm sure 3:30 a.m. Wednesday that one. All right, arguably. The standout tie of the fifth round is Everton against Tottenham. It's a Thursday, 4.15 a.m. kickoff. It's all right now, Matt, because Harry's back to lead the line. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I think that I haven't, even, even when he was back, look, let's be honest, that was home to West Brom, who, as, as we covered off earlier, are, are pretty much down. Um, Spurs are in no fit state to take on an Everton team who can score three goals against Man United. They're barely, they're, they're, they're barely in any shape to take on an Everton side that used to finish 14th. Um, but they're, uh, yeah, it's going to be actually very, very tough, I think. And nonetheless, we covered off earlier. Spurs want, Spurs trying to win trophies. Jose wants to win trophies. He will have got his team... Absolutely bang up for this. Again, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Tottenham with the ball. Um, we're going to see them sit really deep. I suspect this will be back to... Um, I mean, the good thing about West Brom is there was only really Hjoibier, who was the, the defensive player. There was Ndombele, who was playing a little bit more attacking next to him, which was a delightful change. I don't think we're going to see that away at Everton, certainly not in the Cup. I think that Jose would be delighted with keeping it as tight as possible. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see three defensive midfielders in front of the back four, given how shaky they are. Um, and and let's see Everton try and break them down. It'll almost be defence against attack. Um, and you wouldn't rule out Everton doing that. Um, no. And I guess as far as Spurs go, look, the benefit of having a Kane and a Son is that they link up so, so well. And if they can just get that one goal or two goal and keep it tight, um, it might be enough. But that with the way Spurs have played this uh, last month or so, it's a massive if. <laughs> all right. Unfortunately, we haven't got more time to to go through all the FA Cup ties for you. We'll talk about the big ones on Friday's show. For now, I have to say thanks to the guys. So thanks a lot, Craig Marias. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Keish. Stop hating on David Moyes, guys. Just stop hating. Testify. <laughs> <laughs> and Indomie rules. Indomie rules. <laughs> uh, Matt Bellotti, time for bed. Thanks so much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks and stay well, everybody. Thank you very much, guys. We're done for today. Uh, have a great week. Speak to you on Friday. Bye now. Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.